0: All right, guys, welcome into a new episode of Chargers Weekly. I couldn't be more pleased to have my next guest on, linebacker Drew Tranquil, second-year linebacker. Drew, I, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. I, I want to talk football, but more importantly, I want to talk about this new interview series that you launched, Hear Me Out, and its its core focus is on racial reconciliation, unveiling the heart and mind of people within the Black community. I think it's such an important thing, what you're doing. How did this idea come to be, Drew?
1: Well, Chris, thanks for for having me on, first off. Uh, I think, honestly, it was just a seed that was kind of planted. My wife and I, I missed everything going on with the civil unrest. um, And just really being, frankly, just a really hard year, uh, felt like it was important uh, to get on to encourage people at the community level to just have these relevant and meaningful conversations and obviously uh, racial injustice uh, is at the forefront right now and there's a a community of people our black brothers and sisters who have expressed a lot of grief a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow and you know i'd be remiss and and feel really ashamed if if we let this moment in history pass us a a very sad and tragic few moments really uh, when you look at the lives that have been lost this year specifically Uh, to police brutality and other things it's it's a sad thing but you know I think there's times in history where you know certain problems and certain history and certain uh, issues come to the forefront Um, and it's a unique time where we kind of have all eyes um, and ears on this issue and we can kind of address it and so uh, it just kind of was the seed of hey let's let's have these conversations let's hear the testimonies and let's stop looking to give our opinion or give statistics on why we believe what we believe. And like, let's just hear each other out. And so that's kind of where we're going with it. And uh, it's been great so far.
0: You just kind of alluded to it. I I wrote down a quote that I heard during your conversation with uh, Jalen Smith, linebacker of the Cowboys, obviously a, a golden domer himself. You said, is there a place where we can get to where we're slower to give our point of view and quicker to hear the pain of someone else? If we just had a little bit more of that, Drew, in our society, how much better would we be off?
1: Yeah, I think really what that's talking about is is the idea of empathy. And I think really empathy can be the engine to a lot of change. Uh, If we were just willing to try and put ourselves in other people's shoes. I think a lot of the the issues and the tension you see, whether it's political or whether it's just within organizations or, or communities of people, has to do with the fact that we just can't understand each other and can't understand where we're coming from. Uh, and so I think, you know, there's a reason, you know, the cliche, we have two ears, one mouth, like, I think it really is important to listen a little bit more than we speak. And, and certainly a time as we're in right now is is a time for the black community to express some of the pain and hurt. I mean, when you look at this stuff, you know, people have family members that, you know, grew up where they couldn't go to the same school or drink out of the same water fountain. Like we're not that far removed and there's still a lot of healing and reconciliation that needs to take place. And, uh, you know, I know my wife and I were just trying to do our part and, you know, we have a unique experience in football where I have a lot of peers and friends that are from the black community. Uh, A lot of my peers and, and kids I grew up with, you know, in my hometown, maybe don't have that opportunity. And so if I can have those conversations and and be an example and, and illustrate that. I think it's a cool thing to do for, for people who might not have, you know, the opportunity to be around and hear from,
0: uh, you know, people within the black community on a daily basis. Drew, what have you learned the most over the last couple of months, whether it's these conversations that you're having uh, through here, be out or just teammates in the locker room about things that they've gone through.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's been a transformational few years for me specifically lately I think a lot of that has boiled to the surface and just the idea that you know I think a lot of our expectations and in the reality we shape for ourselves comes from a lot of our experiences growing up and I've realized that you know my experience growing up wasn't necessarily like some of my brothers in the locker room and, and you know they struggled with things that I didn't necessarily have to struggle with like such as you know when I'm going to driver's education I'm learning to parallel park when they go the driver's ed, you know, their parents are educating them on how to deal with police officers when they get pulled over a simple thing like that. You know, I don't think twice about it when I get pulled over, I think, you know, I'm going to talk to this guy, explain what happened. Uh, and, and that might not be the same experience. And so though that thing might seem little, it's a difference in how we grew up. It's, you know, differences of resources in the communities we grew up. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from teammates, whether at Notre Dame or on the chargers that, you know, I didn't go to a school, a great high school that had a ton of resources where, you know, we had quality teachers and and quality food for lunch and and great opportunities. Our fields we played on were horrible and and the stadiums were bad and, you know, our uniforms weren't great and we were under-resourced. And the amount of times I've heard that story is is kind of sad. And for it to be so concentrated in a single community, I think it's something we all need to have awareness about.
0: What are the things that you talked about with both Michael Alito and Jalen Smith was entrepreneurship and minority entrepreneurship. And I recently did a story on this academy in uh, the Ventura County area. They're bringing in kids from the inner city and they are trying to make sure that they know the ins and outs of what it is to run a business, how to run a business, uh, mm-hmm. accounting things before they even hit their freshman <clears throat> year of high school, just to be equipped with those things for either before they go to the pros or after they go to the pros or after they get out of college, they're equipped for the opportunity to own a business. And the conversation you had with Jalen just, it really struck me and reminded me of that and of how important it is to, to make sure that all communities have an equal playing field when it comes to their future and and building their future in a positive way.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think when you talk about just entrepreneurship and in general, you know, people kind of have this idea of, well, I don't have the money to start my own business, or I don't have the money to do that. When you look at it, you know, people's mindset typically is in regards to how do you finance it. Um, And if you go, you look at our history, like certain communities, specifically right now, we're talking about the black community has been under resourced in that area. And you can just look at the general income statistics of a black family versus, you know, a white family or another counterpart. And uh, it's, you know, there's drastic difference in those income inequalities. And so when you look at, you know, strictly from a financial and financing standpoint, uh, you know, there's unequal opportunity in terms of, you know, maybe I could go to people within my community that my dad knows, or my mom knows, or, you know, I'm speaking generally here, but there's financing opportunities. And so to educate people on, on how to, you know, how to go about entrepreneurship, how you go to a bank and you know, apply for a loan, what your credit score means, all these different things that, you know, aren't necessarily at the forefront of people's minds when, you know, issues such as how am I going to survive living in this neighborhood or how am I going to, you know, where's my next meal coming from? Or, you know, how am I going to get, earn a scholarship because we can't afford for me to go to college? All these conversations that I've heard from my peers for years are more important. And so you end up in a situation where those conversations about entrepreneurship and how I'm going to provide down the road aren't had. And you end up in a situation where, you know, there's a unequal distribution in terms of white business owners to black business owners. And uh, the cycle will continue to perpetuate itself unless we, you know, educate ourselves and, and help and
0: resource those different communities. I think for me, uh, I'm proud to be a part of the Chargers organization when I see guys like yourself using your platform for, for interview series like this or Isaac with Local Human and going out there and protesting and, and his teammates showing up like Justin Jackson and Trey Pipkins and and Forrest Lamp and this goes on and on to see head coach Anthony Lynn really start this conversation with key leaders in the community in Los Angeles uh, what does it mean to you to be a part of all this starting with your head coach frankly who's done so much uh, over the last 60 to 90 days?
1: Yeah I think one of the things I I noticed when I walked into the Chargers locker room was it was Full of guys, you you can you can tell right away when you walk into an organization, whether it's a football organization or a business, if it has people that actually care about others, or if you have people in the organization that just really have their own self interest in mind. And when I walked into the locker room as a rookie last year, I, I really got the sense that the Chargers, starting with you know our general manager, our ownership, and then our head coach primarily who sets the culture, uh, was just a group of of guys and and women that, you know, cared about each other and cared about, you know, building a team, building a culture. And it seemed like there wasn't a ton of ego involved. And I think ego is really important. And, and you see, you know, when our head coach is, is getting involved and doing things like he does overseas, that here's a guy who just really cares about other people. And, you know, I'm happy to work for a guy like that, who, who cares about my self-interest, who cares about my family, um, and who's going to do the hard work and the things necessary to make sure that we're taken care of. And so, you know, I think the character of the Chargers organization is showing itself whenever you go through tough times, the character of people show. Um, And and it's certainly showing with my teammates doing initiatives like they're doing. You spoke about Isaac and local human. I think that's awesome. And then obviously coach Lynn and how he's being involved on the national level, but more importantly, the local level here in, in LA County and Orange County, and what he's doing with the officials and and just being a voice and using the platform as head coach for the Chargers. I think it's fantastic.
0: I had an opportunity because of the Chargers, they they draft nothing but guys from Notre Dame. So I got to talk to to coach Brian (laughs) Kelly a couple of months ago when when low, was drafted And, and we talked about you and he talked about your determination, what you've had to go through throughout your, your career at Notre Dame and your core belief system and I kind of draw some parallels with uh, what he was saying about your core belief system and and what you're doing beyond football and trying to help others, trying to bring awareness to important topics. Where does that come from, Drew, that that determination to to really want to be excellent in all facets, whether it's on the football field or just in life in general?
1: Yeah, I think at its roots, at its foundation, you know, everything for me goes back to my faith, my faith in Christ. And I try to draw all my principles and values off, how Jesus lived his life and, uh, you know, what the Bible has to say about that. And I think there's a lot of great core principles there that I've just drawn from in my experiences. And, you know, I have to credit, you know, some of that to my dad and the way he taught me growing up, my mother as well. Uh, and just the, uh, the resilience component, the thing, the idea of, you know, one of my core beliefs is leaving things better than you found it. And, you know, I don't know how long I'll be in the Chargers organization, but my hope would be that, that people that could testify on my behalf when I'm gone could say, Hey, you know, we're a better organization than when he walked in here. Um, and I think that's just one of the small ways i try to live my life. And, and it all kind of goes back to how Christ lived his life. Um, but you know, whether it's trying to overcome two ACL tears at Notre Dame or, uh, you know, moving across the country with my wife, who was 38 weeks pregnant and, and trying to make an impact as a rookie, I think you know, just try to carry those those same basic principles and and not make it over complex or over uh you know sophisticate things and, and try to just keep it simple and and keep my head down and work.
0: I think it's a podcast for another time, but revisiting your first week on the job with the Chargers that yeah. could be like a mini thirty for thirty, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Hey, let's let's talk uh, football. Just a, a few questions because entering your second season. What has this offseason been like? Everything's been virtual. uh, And I know accountability, I think with everybody, it's going to be really the most important thing in terms of just workouts and and working on things that that you want to bring into the 2020 season. Yeah, it's been challenging, Chris.
1: Uh, We just look at a a training perspective. It's been nice having the the Zoom and, and being able to keep our minds sharp in terms of the playbook. But when you look at from a physical perspective of trying to train and compete, you know, most guys haven't had, uh, haven't had contact in regards to, you know, engaging with another player, you know, for six or seven months now. And so it'll be, it'll be tough in terms of transitioning and and talk about that, but you even talk about knowing when to peak and, and how you're supposed to go about your training and, you know, when to accelerate that to be ready for camp. And there's a lot of just unknowns, but we're all on the same boat. And so there's, Really no complaining to be had, in my opinion, uh, from any one person. We're all kind of in the same boat and going through it together. And so uh, it's a challenging time, but, you know, it's something, you know, I totally believe we'll get through, and, and some people will find solutions. The people that are in charge making the decisions, they'll
0: find solutions, and we'll figure it out. I go back to last year, and right from the beginning, uh, you made your presence felt on special teams. You had a couple of block punts throughout the season. You had three starts towards the back half of the year. 14 tackle performance in Oakland. You had three tackles for loss in a, in a game against Denver. Did you feel like the game slowed down a little bit for you, Drew, as the season went along, the pro game, and how much more ready do you feel in year two?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I consider myself fortunate to be able to play with guys like Thomas Davis and Denzel, guys who, you know, I think combined had a, a total of like 22 or 23 years of experience, and so it was nice to to be in a a locker room and specifically a room of linebackers who had that experience. And I was able to, to draw from and learn from, you know, in, in year one, I was just coming in trying to take the same mindset I took into Notre Dame in terms of, you know, I, I knew probably early on, I'd have a, an opportunity on special teams and an opportunity to compete and make my presence known and just try to take, you know, advantage of those opportunities. And I think certainly as the year went on, you know, I got more reps on defense. And like you said, the game started to slow down a little bit. But, you know, I'll be honest, too, you've got in college, you know, some teams trying to run 80, 90, 100 plays a game, and it can get, you know, exhausting. And, and so the speed of the game, you know, actually, like the pace of the game is actually slower in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, but the the time between the ball is snapped and when the play is dead, is a lot faster. And so uh, you've got to be on your alignments, you've got to be you know where is this receiver aligned at can he get on me quickly you know where's the split of the back all these different nuances and the quarterbacks are outstanding at at recognizing you know the defenses you're in so trying to stem to to different positions in order to disguise there's all the nuances of the nfl game that are that are different than maybe college where you just align and and you know maybe out talent someone or out outwork someone with technique so it's uh it's definitely a learning curve. And I feel like we're on, we're on pace, you know, in our
0: room and, and I like, you know, where the off season has been for me. Hey, Kenneth Murray comes in uh, a first rounder. What was your reaction when the Chargers selected Kenneth, someone that you're going to be able to play alongside for a long time. And I'm sure the perfect person to talk to for Kenneth is you being that you just lived your first year in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know disappointed we didn't have meetings and stuff in person this year because I was really looking forward to to getting to know him and spend some more time with him but hopefully here in the next few weeks we can kind of connect a little bit more it was it's tough via zoom when you just have a limited amount of time to get to know him but the way our head coach and I you know I trust our head coach and he speaks very very highly of him and you can just watch the highlight clips the guy's you know a beast and so I'm excited to see him get on the field and make
0: plays for us for sure Final well, thing for you, Drew. I know that you took the cast of SEAL Team on CBS to, to SoFi Stadium, gave them a little tour. This thing is almost ready, man. What's your excitement level to be able to play in this place? It looks like a palace. I don't, I don't know. It, it may be the most beautiful stadium we've ever seen.
1: <laughs> it's. I'll tell you what. When I when I toured it, Chris, it was it was. It's an engineering phenomenon. And studying engineering in school, it was just super interesting to me. The different mechanics of just how the audio is going to work, uh, how, you know, the stadium's like deeper underground than any other stadium that's that's been built. And so it's a super unique design where it's kind of open to airflow. It's got this unique, you know, covering over it, uh, a retracting roof, uh, just all these different unique components, a massive just jumbotron. Uh, so it's, it's going to be super cool to play with. Hopefully we'll have some fans in there and it'll be rocking, but yeah. Uh, even even without fans and in, in the circumstances, with with everything happening, I'm, I'm sure it's still going to be awesome to to get out there and and actually
0: have a place to call home. You know. No doubt. No doubt. Well, we're we're looking forward to seeing you on the field here shortly. If you want, let our listeners and viewers know where you can see hear me out. I know a lot of different platforms, IGTV. Uh, what, mm-hmm. What's the best way, Drew?
1: Yeah. So you can any, any social platform, whether it's Instagram, Twitter. Uh, they'll all be posted there. YouTube, we're posting there as well. And and we're working on getting stuff in place where you can just listen to the audio on Spotify and podcasts and iTunes music. So uh, right now available on all, all streaming platforms, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it, it's there. It's great, man.
0: Well, hey, thank you so much for your time and uh, wish you and your family all the best. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right, Chris. Thanks so much
1: for your time. We'll see you.
0: All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Drew for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Haley.